1: Well, thank you very much for joining us today on Take 10. We come to you every week with a discussion of an issue as it relates to caregiving and mental health and mental health awareness. Our co-hosts, Carol Zornil and Dr. Jamie Heisman is here. Carol is a, holds a master's degree from the University of the Incarnate Word in San Antonio in gerontology, social gerontology, and she was named one of the nation's top 50 influencers in aging by Next Avenue. Dr. Jamie Heisman is a clinical social worker, he serves as the Chief Compassion Officer for Wellman Medical Management and he is an expert on caregiving as well as addictions and delighted to have you both with us again today. I'm Ron Aaron and welcome to Take 10. Carol you can set it up.
2: Yeah. So this morning Dr. Jamie I was talking with a caregiver who had a mother-in-law in the hospital and it didn't matter what happened. Somehow it was the caregiver was asking too many questions, cared too much, was somehow the bad guy. Um, And this is for someone who was left out in the hall for more than 24 hours, not admitted, not, you know, broken bones. And obviously caregivers get in distress. I have had that experience. So why is the caregiver the person that seems to be the bad guy, and and we feel like the bad guy, and why we feel like the bad guy when we're trying to be advocates. It's, it's kind of a downward spiral.
3: Well, there's two things going on here, Carol. It's a great topic for everybody to understand. One is the clinical inadequacies of those who are actually blaming the caregiver. What does that mean? Well, it's many times out of guilt and shame, and they have no power, no control over their loved one laying in that gurney, sitting in that ER, then the next thing you know is their guilt and shame turns out, we call it becomes projected at the easiest, most intimate person, most vulnerable person they can do this to. Why? Well, they're not going to call the CEO or administrator. Why? They're not going to call the hospital, and say how that they need new beds. And how could you put my mother there? So they take the easiest way out. That's number one. Number two, caregivers, caregivers, need to understand that as they develop their own sense of self, mind, body, and spirit, they also need to have good self-esteem, which is taking your oxygen first. We say, look, you got to know who you are. you got to know that you're doing the best you can. You cannot accept blame. You cannot accept shame for anything, anything that's out of your control. I can think as a former hospital, quote-unquote, recovering administrator, anything that is not less... In a, in a caregiver control than sitting in a gurney in a hospital. I am a caregiver advocate, a psychologist. I remember when my mom, God rest her soul, and my father didn't have a bed and sat there 23 hours. If one person blamed me for a hospital that was entirely stretched to the max, I would have been very upset. So I guess it's a two-way street And saying, one, you got a lot of insecure people telling you you're being blamed. Two, if you're a caregiver, don't believe it. You're not at
2: fault. So... The response to that, right? I've been told I'm the problem. Um, One school of thought is honey, 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 be as sweet as you can. And another school of thought is be firm, you know, get up and get in their face, get what you need. How do we respond to people when they're blaming us?
3: That's a great question. And again, nothing else matters if you know who you are, right? The word is boundaries. Hey, guess what? No is a complete sentence to my family. That means I am laying out boundaries. I will not accept that projection of your shame. I will not accept the projection of your blame. In fact, I'm going to lay out strong boundaries around myself and do the best I can with what I have. And so it's critical for us to understand that, that these people who are f- feeling guilty or, or upset and they can't control the chronic terminal acute illness, less of all the, the care around them, is going to, again, find the most easiest person. Guess what, Carol? If it's your family, it may be you. If it's my family, it would be me. Why? Because they're already used to doing this to intimate family members, and they're not going to do it to the system. The system sucks, and I would suggest them go out and vote change your legislator, find new funding, but leave me alone. I've got boundaries. I'm doing the best I can.
1: And I can remember, Carol, at one point, uh, you had several confrontations with a physician involving care uh, for one of your relatives who was in long-term care. And you, again, got blamed for trying to fix what was happening to her.
2: Well, you know, it's it's not unusual. I mean, you know, obviously, when I was speaking with the caregiver today, the story resonated because it seems to happen to all of us. Um, and then we start questioning ourselves and questioning our tactics, and it adds. So we're already in a bad situation, and it's just escalating and adding to a bad situation.
1: Now, people who may have just tuned in may be questioning what you're listening to. This is Take 10. Delighted to have you with us as we talk about a variety of issues as they affect caregivers and care recipients. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Jamie Heisman and Carol Zerniel. Carol?
2: Well, Jamie, I'm just get, went, go get, ahead. I'll get, let Jamie respond. Let me say it.
3: So I tell my daughter the same thing I try to tell myself. And I just came from my own therapist. I'm sure she's trying to tell me this. She's saying, look, if you know who you are, you got your two feet on the ground, you've done the best you can, don't let anybody rent space in your head. There should be no space for somebody else to come in there and renovate their home and go inside your head. You know what you've done you know your boundaries, you know, Carol, you advocated to the best of your ability as a gerontologist, as a family member, as a loved one. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't. Caregivers should be able to do that. But we should know what we are really have within our control and which we do not. And we don't have in control the skilled nursing, assisted living, staffing patterns, the people, how they train them, the hospitals, which don't have enough beds. We do have in our control Boundaries. And if our loved ones are not stepping up to help us meet us halfway over our loved ones' care, and all they can do is point the finger because they think that you know something's gone on and they feel guilty about their own selves, it's critical for us to set boundaries. So I want to say one last thing. Go to YouTube, uh, if you're listening to this, and go to a wonderful speaker. Her name is Brene Brown. And Brene Brown does fabulous work on YouTube around boundaries. And boundaries are the critical, essential element for caregivers' health and wellness.
1: And if you haven't established boundaries, can you establish them now?
3: Oh, absolutely. That's a beautiful question. So I see people, hey, and you're right, Ron, we're doomed to recreate our dramas and traumas until we intervene on them. So even I have patients who are 70 and 80 years old who really go, aha, that's all I needed to do, right, was believe that I did the best I can, draw a boundary, and, yes, their mind is getting better. They have somebody not renting space in their head. By the way, they have more energy. These caregivers that are blaming and shaming, I call them all energy vampires. And if you don't have boundaries to protect your energy, they will suck your energy out. And just like a vampire, they'll own you.
2: Well, and I think what you said is very important about the energy vampires, you know, because you do, you feel depleted, you feel in the wrong, you feel like you should have done something. And it does just really build on itself. And so saying no, You know, no, I'm sorry. I can't let this happen.
3: I ran a a support group last night, Carol, on In the Rooms. Anybody's welcome to. It's free. It's 7 o'clock on Monday nights, And it's exactly that, okay? These people came up and they had zero energy. They didn't know who they were. Why? Because in a narcissistic relationship, there's what's called gaslighting. And this gaslighting is what we say is 20% true and 80%, I'll clean it up, BS, means nothing. It's gaslighting. And what they do, the other person is they get you to think it's your fault. They do play on your self-esteem that may not be entirely feeling great at the time. Why should it? We all have ups and downs. Don't accept the gaslighting. Don't accept the half-truths. Have, have the boundaries. Keep your energy. And don't let them sink their teeth in your neck and, and, and do it. And this, all I said to them last night at the end of my meeting was, it's not your fault. That's your mantra.
2: Love it. So spell Brene Brown for those that may want to go on YouTube.
3: Sure, her name is B, uh, Brene Brown. B R E N E Brown. So Brene is phenomenal because she's actually in recovery. She's a human being, and, and like me, you know, we have our ups and downs. We want to be like the people who work we work with. So Brene talks about boundaries, and I think she's pretty much the person I would refer. She's very understandable. She's not clinical psycho babble, and she's actually could be a caregiver's best friend if you've got caregivers. Or you think long distance caregivers or family members, I should say, beating on you, telling you that it's your fault. Start putting Brene Brown's, I call toxic abusive relationship, tar dojo techniques to
1: work. Got to stop you right there. I've learned two great things today. Brene Brown, YouTube, and no is a complete sentence. You've been listening Hmm. to Take 10 with Dr. Jamie Heisman and Carol Zirniel. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk with you soon.